Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we are here with the Southampton Season Review, joined by Sam Cox. You can find on Twitter at Mr. Sam E. Cox. You can also find his content over at Fresh Saints. Uh, Sam, a pleasure having you back on. Uh, Kind of a tale of two seasons. We did a Burnley review today as well, kind of similar. The first half a little scary. Then you bring in Hasenhutl at the time um, mentioned. Maybe you didn't do enough uh, motion in January squad-wise, but you got the manager, and that was the important thing. Um, does indeed end up keeping you safe. Uh, but on the season, on the balance of both halves, uh, how did you think Southampton season went? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there, really. It's a tale of two halves, really. And, uh, yeah, there's a bit of obviously optimism uh, within preseason because Mark Hughes came in at the back end of the, the season prior and, and kept us in the division. Um, and there was optimism, as I said. We were looking forward to a, a better campaign. Obviously, we weren't looking to, to pull up any trees and look to... We were just looking to build on, on, a, on a failure of a season. And um, that failure just continued, unravelled. And, uh, yeah, Mark Hughes really struggled with the squads, really struggled with the new signings. And after one win all season, only nine points, I think we were a joint bottom of the Premier League table, only uh, off the bottom from, by, uh, by goal difference. And uh, and Ralph comes in and he's an absolute breath of fresh air, came in, knew the task, knew exactly um, that it was going to be a difficult second half of the season. But he came in, fresh ideas and got us playing a style of football. We saw a clear plan and uh, which was something which we hadn't seen under Mark Hughes. Um, he stuck with a formation, stuck with tactics, believed in those tactics, even through uh, difficult times. Um, ultimately, we got the results that we needed. And as I said, it's now the optimism we had last year under Mark Hughes. That optimism is back. But this year, there's a sense of that we will achieve what we know we can under Ralph because he's such a good coach and we've seen glimpses of it so far. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see if the team has shaped in his image going forward, but we will get to that in a little bit. Um, what would you say was the highest and low point of the season? Well, I'd have to say the high point was staying up. I think when that was confirmed in the 3 all draw against Bournemouth, I think that was a, a huge sigh of relief. Um, the weeks leading up to that, it was building to that. We we picked up a good bit of form. We beat Wolves, um, got a good draw away at Watford, albeit we we uh, conceded late on in that game. But it's still a good point. Watford had a very good season, and it was building up to that point as as Brighton and, and Cardiff sort of hit a, a dodgy patch and started to struggle. So 
Although again, we threw away three points against uh, against or two points, I should say, against Bournemouth by conceding late on when it was confirmed at full time that we'll be playing Premier League season next uh, next season. Um, again, it was that's the high point of the season. I think if I was to pick an individual moment in terms of a bit of quality from a player. Um, and I'm sure you you probably won't want me to to say this, but I think Will Prowse's goal <laughs> against Tottenham at uh, home. Um, Tottenham played really well. They played us off the park in the first half, and it looked like it was going to be a, a bit of a drubbing if it weren't wasn't for an uh, Angus Gunn save early in the the second half from Harry Kane. Then things would have been very different. But Ralph changed it, changed the tactics, changed the personnel on the pitch, got his substitutions absolutely correct, and uh, we we snatched a two-one win. Uh, Valerie equalised, and then moments later. Well, Prowse stepped up and, and killed a beautiful free kick into the top corner. And I haven't seen celebrations at St Mary's like that since uh, since Sadio Mane was playing for us. And we, and, uh, we overturned a 2-0 deficit to 3-2 under Ronald Koeman. So it's been a long time since I'd seen uh, uh, St Mary's rocking like that. And uh, it was just fantastic to see. And that really was the springboard to, to us staying in the division and getting the results we needed. In terms of low points, um, there's two really, I think. The, the away game against Fulham, um, a game we had to win at that time under Mark Hughes if he wanted to keep his job and for us to keep our keep our heads above water and, and we'd be- we barely turned up. We lost 3-2. And then the main low point, I'd, I'd have to say, is Cardiff at home. Um, we had Burnley the week before and Crystal Palace the week prior to that. Uh, two draws and we thought okay two draws against two difficult teams in and around us it's not bad and we've got Cardiff at home this is a fantastic opportunity to to get three points you know a win is vital it's a must win game um, and Cardiff just played us off the park in terms of what they do they, they sat in they were rugged they were really really strong we, and it wasn't the performance that, that, that we were expecting and especially when Jack Stevens equalises with, with only injury time left to play we thought okay we've got away with one here 1-1 not the result we wanted, but in the grand scheme of things, we'll, we'll take it. And then Cardiff go down the end literally 90 seconds later, and Kenneth Zahora pops up with a with a with a goal. And at that point, you're really scratching your head as to is this team got the the ability within the squad to stay up. And uh, yeah, that was that was the real low point when when Zahor put that in, and just the whole as I, as I said before about the Wall Prowse, the, the the stadium went up. When he scored that, when Zahor scored against uh, uh, scored against us, the, the stadium just dropped, and it was just yeah, yes, as I said, just scratching your head to see if this team could stay up. You mentioned that uh, Ward Prowse goal is uh, one of the highlights. Do you think that was the goal of the season for Southampton, or were there a few other contenders? There's a few guys definitely up there in terms of the importance and in terms of the technique. Um, but I would go for. I mean, a special mention to, to Hoiberg's goal against Brighton early on in the season. Um, but I think I would go for uh, Jan Valerie's goal at Old Trafford against Manchester United. Um, to open the scoring in that manner from a young player with little Premier League experience, as a Ralph put a lot of faith into him to take that spot. And to score from that far out against David De Gea. I know David De Gea this season had his struggles, but to be any goalkeeper from that range, let alone... A, a player of that quality that we all know David De Gea has got was was fantastic and uh, yeah I say Wall Prowse has had a had a fantastic season um, but yeah the, the free kick was as I said the importance of it would put it up there but in terms of technique and in terms of sort of eye catching um, and from a player who's relatively unknown would definitely been unknown to the Manchester United faithful that's for sure um, 
And at that point, I think he'd scored the same amount of Old Trafford goals as Alexis Sanchez this season as well. So that was a nice little stat to have. Um, so yeah, that, I'd, I'd give it to Jan Valerie for, uh, for a fantastic try at Old Trafford. Yeah, definitely some good strikes there for sure. Um, who would you say was your player of the year for 1819? Player of the season? I think I said it in a, in a show a couple of weeks ago, the last show I did you on the EPL roundtable. I, I think then I said Pierre and Hoiberg, but on reflection, I think I'd just give it to Nathan Redmond. Um, sort of overlooked him when we last spoke, but but looking at the season he had, he, he was the only player who really flourished under Mark Hughes. But he didn't get the stats. You know, he didn't register a goal or assist under Hughes despite good performances. Um, Hazard Hootle came in and I think he scored eight goals, registered 11 assists. I could be wrong. I could be a little bit off with that. But around that sort of figure. Um, and he's just been fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. He's looked a completely different player to what we saw of him last season uh, under Pellegrino. There was a lot of question marks over him. Um, he was a, at at the brunt of a lot of abuse from fans as well. Um, question is questioning his ability. Um, so to see a complete different contrast from last season to here. And I think that you can credit the manager and I think Ralph should get a lot of credit for that. But I think you've got to credit also his work rate and his desire to, to unearth the player that obviously Redmond knew was in him um, pre-season last year or in the summer. Um, prior to the preseason, he was out in LA doing his own fitness work, doing his own sort of training program before preseason, and then in preseason again, he looked really good. Um, and then this season, I said he's he's been the spark in our team, and the fact that he doesn't have a smile on his face and he almost has forgotten about the the abuse that he got last season, and he's a player now that that the fans love and the fans will turn up to see because he's one of those players who can just turn it on he can do something um, when when it looks like nothing's on he can beat a player which again last season he wasn't doing he didn't have the confidence but now he's full of confidence and I'm really excited to see him what him and Ralph can do do with each other uh, uh, next season Hey it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, fair. And who would you say was your young player of the year? Although I realize that a lot of Southampton's players would kind of be eligible for both. Yeah, it's an odd one because I say if you're going on the criteria of sort of the the, the 
uh, PFA team of the year. I think 24-year-olds can get in there. And, and our captain, Pierre Hoiberg, would go into that cap category so in terms of in, in that sort of bracket then then you'd have to say Hoiberg but if I'm doing it in terms of a youngster who's sort of 21 and younger um who's sort of broken onto the scene this season then I'd give it to Jan Valerie I think I said it again on the show a few weeks ago that, that, oh, yeah. that Jan, you know, the Jan Valerie it's just been fantastic he's been an, I said, an unknown entity really he's been uh, making good noises uh, from the from the youth teams in the past couple of seasons and it was a player that we were looking forward to seeing. I mean, we, we, there wasn't a lot of hype around him. I mean, there's been hype around young players to come through our academy. Um, Luke Shaw, for example, and when he came in, he did make the impression that we all heard that he could do. But with Jan Valerie, it was still it was still a bit uncertain to to what he could uh, he could do. And and then Ralph made the decision to to let Cedric leave for Inter Milan on loan and leaving us with. Uh, Jan Valerie as our, our number one right back, and then another youngster, Kane Ramsey, as his as his uh, as his backup. But he's come in and made the position his own. I think he's looked twice the player Cedric did for us in the first half of the season. Um, he's almost the epitome of a modern day player: uh, athletic, tall, strong, can pass the ball. He's good in the tackle. And uh, yeah, and again, him alongside Redmond is going to be really interesting to see how well he does next season. And I think the fact that he's, as I said, come in, made the position his own, popped up with two important goals. I said the goal against Manchester United, I said my goal of the season, although it was in vain because we didn't uh, come away of any points from the game. But again, the equalising goal against Tottenham to set us up for victory. And I think he's grown into the role. Okay, yeah, still very raw player, um, but. Uh, a, a fantastic prospect and I think from from what I've seen and what we've seen of him so far this season I think he, it won't be long if he can carry on this progression until one of the big boys knock on his knock on his door because I think he's got that ability I think he's I think he's a little bit far off yet um, you could say in the bracket of uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka at Crystal Palace but I think next season you could definitely see him being in, in the bracket of, of Wan-Bissaka very high praise indeed, and would obviously be fantastic for you if he did reach that level, but very promising, to be sure. Now, with all that out of the way, a big question for Southampton now is, for a while, like you mentioned, knew what Southampton was, a place where players could come, develop, be sold upwards, and then it just kind of was like this churning process. That doesn't really uh -huh. seem to be the case anymore. Do you consider that in and of itself an identity, or, or do you feel that Hasenhutl in particular, or or at least in these coming years, Southampton will need to redefine what they are as a club. Yeah, I think for definite, the Southampton lost their identity in the past two and a half seasons before uh, Hasenhutl came in. Um, obviously, there's a shelf life to the strategy of selling your best players, relying on recruitment and the young players and to come in the place. Netherlands. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, to come in and replace the, the top players. I think we got all, not got away with it. I think we were very strategic in the way in which we, we operated um, for a number of years with, with Pochettino and uh, uh, Pochettino, the famous summer of Pochettino, Lalana, Lovren and Lambert all leaving the club. Um, and then we replaced them with Koeman, Tadic, uh, Pella and Alderweireld. And then the summer after that, um, we brought in 
uh, Van Dyke to replace Alderweireld. So that those sort of you know just that, the two best centre backs in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, just the two best uh, centre backs in the Premier League. You know, <laughs> so yeah, and that, and, and that wasn't that wasn't a fluke. That was that was all strategic. I think there was noises coming out of the club that. There was a uh, the scouting process. There was a list of players who could fill the void left by players years in advance. There was there was uh, I know for sure that there used to be a short list of managers had a, a manager left. So perhaps Kuman was on our radar a long time before Pochettino even came to the club. Um, Pochettino left, so we could easily come and and, and bring Kuman in. Kuman, the, the thing with Ronald Kuman and which I don't, you can't begrudge him. And as I said to you before the show with Pochettino, you don't, you don't realise what you've got until it's gone, really. Um, Poch left and has become this top manager we've seen has taken Tottenham to the Champions League final. And the opinion, the, the raw opinion of Saints fans has changed to what it is now of what a coach we had. You know, we hope he does well. You know, what a brilliant um, you know, coach that came to Southampton and did well, and it's almost the same sort of thing with Kuman. I know he'd had he'd had his troubles with Everton, and it still left a sour taste when he left for left for Goodison Park. But the fact that we've now gone on this slope downwards, now he's at Holland doing well. I know he's got the squad of of Van Dijk and and the young players that are coming out of Ajax. Um, but again, it was almost like an identity loss when he left um, because we didn't replace well and they almost became a bit lazy. In the January transfer window under Ronald Koeman, we signed Charlie Austin. Um, and that was that was good. Uh, you know, it was a good, a good uh, signing at the time, £4 million. He's paid that back in abundance, in, in my opinion, for his service and what he's done for the club in terms of that Koeman season. And, and he's almost kept us in the division with, with the, some of the goals that he scored last season. I know he's been injured for a long time, but the goals he scored early in the campaign in terms of wins over, over Everton at home and a couple others, you know, in the, in the long term, um, kept us up. So, yeah, I think, as you say, to go back to the question, the identity's lost and it was lost under Puel um, because the recruitment wasn't good enough and we kept hold of... We, we chose to replace Pella with Austin, whereas we replaced Lambert with Pella. So the progression almost ended. Um, and then the managerial appointments also didn't help. We, you know, we sort of built a reputation of playing this sort of, not an expansive style of football, and, but, you know, we know the style of football Pochettino um, brings to a football club. And Koeman used his smarts and didn't change a lot. Um, but used his nows to know to get the best out of the foundations that uh, Pochettino laid for him. Um, when Puel came in, he didn't buy into that foundations. He tried to change it, which is fair enough. And you can't really begrudge him because he had been appointed to do a job. Um, but he came in and he he sort of wiped the foundations, wanted to lay his own foundation of this passing, slow build-up style of play, which worked, the cup final and eighth place finish, but not what we had come accustomed to. And okay, yeah, you know, the fans may have got a little bit greedy, but still, you can see the situation at Leicester. The same thing happened there. And it wasn't the sacking of Puel which was wrong. It was, it was, it was his replacement of Pellegrino where things went from bad to worse. Um, we didn't see a lot of progression from the youth team. I mean, Pellegrino, to his credit, brought uh, Josh Sims, gave him a longer run in the team. I know Puel gave him his debut, but Pellegrino gave him a longer run in the team. Over family made his debut under Pellegrino. But again, we, we weren't seeing these young players coming in and making a huge difference. Uh, and then Hughes came in to be a firefighter and kept us up. And then obviously it unraveled with Hughes. We didn't see a lot of young players under him either. And then 
Ralph comes in. And I think the, the appointment of Ralph felt like a decision the club would have made during that Pochettino and Koeman era. And I think you can see it already with the young players that he's already sort of used. I think it was a bold decision and a bold sort of statement to make, um, saying we don't need to sign anyone in January or we're not going to sign anyone in January. We can use our, our youth academy. And as I said earlier, Jan Valerie from the academy came in and has done very well. Um, Jack Stevens again. Okay, Jack Stevens has been a little bit found out this year. He's, he's looked a bit out of his depth. But again, another player from the academy, Ward Prowse from the academy, and he's had his best season under Harlan Hill. So I think we're now, the ball is rolling to get back to where we were in terms of promoting youth, promote uh, to, to progressing the players already brought in. Um, and I think we're now starting to see that again. And I just hope that Ralph is going to be here for the foreseeable future of two, three years, as you said in the question, we we know what we are as a football club. And if Ralph goes on to do well for us, then we know that he won't be um, far from suitors back in Germany or, or even in the Premier League in a Manchester United may need a manager in two years' time. Um, so who, who knows what will happen. But as I said, I think if we can keep hold of Ralph for, for two or three years, then then the Southampton way, as it's, as it's branded, will, will definitely be on its way back. And I assume that that would be a welcome relief to the fans. Yeah, well, most certainly. Because as I said, the identity was let, the identity was lost. And, you know, as I said, under Koeman and Pochettino and Nigel Atkins, we had an identity. We had, we knew what we were coming for. We had strong relationship with the, with the club. And then that was almost torn straight down in the past sort of two and a half seasons before Ralph came in. And yeah, we're now, we've now got a team that we can be proud of. We've now got a club that we can, look forward to going and watching and, and now we know what we're going to be watching whereas under Hughes and Pellegrino especially there was no identity there was no real plan of of going into each game with a certain sort of ethos it was sort of these players will do in this formation let's see if we can win a game of football and of course that catches up with you I said one win under Mark Hughes this season in the Premier League and uh, Pellegrino didn't fare much better the season before yeah, well, certainly, uh, if you're going to move into that style going forward, you will need to bring in um, some players to kind of cover that gap in between the, the shift in philosophy. So this summer, what kind of positions do you think are, are of need for Southampton? Definitely in defence. I think we've, well, I know we've dropped 29 points from winning positions this season. Which You invested in the defence fairly recently, though, with Vestergaard last season. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's 100% true. But I think then that, highlights well Vestergaard's proven to be a good signing in my opinion I think next season we'll see the best of him Bednarek again again a young player but I think the defensive sort of situation has shown our lack of recruitment I think we signed Wesley Hoyt who is just just an absolute just just out of his depth yeah, wasn't not good, good enough at this level. not good enough at this level okay we saw glimpses but again wasn't good enough and then when the going got tough he looked to blame others Jack Stevens again I feel a bit sorry for Jack because he came in um, but again he's out of his depth um, so again we need a centre back really um, someone with a bit of leadership and a bit of experience I mean that might not be the highest on our priority because in my opinion I think we'll go with a, a four triple two formation next season, which means we won't need to play three centre backs. So Vestergaard and Bednarek might form a decent partnership, who knows? But definitely we need 
Uh, we definitely need a striker. I know I say this every every time we come on or every time we talk about transfers, we need a striker. <laughs> um, Danny Ings, obligation to buy, that's £20 million out of the bank account already before we've even improved on the squad. But I think Charlie Austin will be on his way. I'd love to see a sign Che Adams from, from Birmingham. I think that he would be... Uh, the exact type of player to fit in of of uh, Ralph's system. I said to you before the show, there's a reason why Shane Long has done well under Ralph. It's because he's a type of player who fits the mould. He's a you know quick, agile, strong, um, and what lets off he Long down is his finishing ability. Che Adams, in my opinion, is a, is an upgrade on Long. He's got the finishing ability. He's got the pace. He's got the power. And I think if we can bring a player like him in. I think he would flourish for us. I think he's Premier League ready-made. But the problem with with Che, he scored 20-plus goals a season in the league. He's not going to be far from suitors. And the other question mark is, would we be able to, you know, are we a, a club who looks more attractive than a team like Everton who uh, are interested as well, or rumoured to be interested? So I'd love to see Che Adams come in. And... <laughs> We, we still need to replace Dusan Tanic. You can see the ability that he's had in the Champions League this season and in, and in the era of the VC. Um, Tanic, under a genuine coach, with a coach with real ability, would flourish. And I'm, and I'm now pondering what would have happened had Tanic been played under Hasenhutl because I think we would see the Tanic we've seen this season at Ajax, at Southampton, had he played under Ralph Hasenhutl. But of course, he left in the summer under, under Mark Hughes. So I think we need... Uh, another creative midfielder, someone who can come off the right-hand side because the, the transfer of Mohamed Oyanusi hasn't worked out for, for numerous reasons. Um, obviously, Mark Hughes didn't really instill any confidence into him. Ralph's come in and, and he looks shot for confidence. And But when, but when he's had a run in the team with no pressure against West Ham away and, and he, uh, I think he featured against Huddersfield. He may have come on, he may not. Actually, he wasn't in the squad for Huddersfield. So he, he played the majority of the game against West Ham. And he, and he didn't show much of Premier League quality. So, uh, uh, main priority is striker. Um, and then we need two or three others, other players to boost the squad because our squad is very thin. Um, and we need competition for places because that always helps. We don't have much of that at the moment. So, yeah, striker Che Adams would be, would be brilliant. Um, if we can bring in a player of his moulds, would, would be fantastic. A player from, from the... Th- because Tadic would be great and, and then a, a centre-half with, with leadership qualities because that's what we miss at the back. A bit of a cool head, um, a leadership. You know, Van Dijk left and, we, and we've and we missed um, the leadership qualities at him and, and, and before that, Jose Fonte had left as well. So we missed that that leadership that, that our, our back line is crying out for. Yeah, you brought up Tadic and I'm actually really interested to get your take on this. He was quoted in the Champions League or before one of those Champions League matches basically just saying that the physicality in in the Premier League was a little too much for him and Mm -hmm. that you get almost no time on the ball that in other countries there's not somebody always stepping up to you immediately and that those two things combined limited him in the Premier League. I know I, for one, always felt like he was perhaps just being misused, but do you think that, that that's another part of this? Yeah, I think I think that's definitely a factor that, that comes into play. Um, he, he he's obviously a luxury player for any team. He, he likes time and space to do the things he does best. And I think obviously we you know the Premier League is renowned for tough tackling players and 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 a high pressing style from every team. Um, you know, you say you get no time on the ball, and that's why you see 
when players come over from Spain, sometimes they struggle to, to adapt to the league because of the time and the space that you don't get in the Premier League. Um, and again, that again, that's a factor. But I think you, the, the the point you made just then about being misused, I think that's more of a factor. Um, he's registered um, the second most Premier League assists for the club, second only to Matt Letizia, our greatest ever player. Um, and he was a key player when we finished sixth in the Premier League and Ron in second season. So since then, obviously, Puel, Pellegrino and Hughes, he was he was definitely misused. And then, as I said, with Koeman and Poch, it's almost like you don't know what you have until it's gone. And he did get, again, like a lot of stick, just like Redmond, because we knew he had the, the talent because we saw it under Koeman. But the fact that we weren't seeing it, it's unraveled now that it was it was more of a managerial issue as to why we didn't see the best of him. But as you say, I think as a luxury player, the the style of the Premier League definitely hindered him at times. Well, that is a shame because a that it didn't work out at Southampton, and b that we're only now getting to see you know the level that he can really play at. It mm-hmm. just feels like we were robbed of a few years on both yeah. ends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but as you say, find, finding a replacement of sorts. At Southampton would definitely be very important. Uh, if you were to address those needs, which players do you think would be on their way out? I think there'll be. A, I think there will be a, a, a squad overhaul um, this summer. Um, the players out on loan hopefully will make those loan moves permanent. I'm not too sure if the majority of them have impressed enough on their loan deals to to sign for the the parent clubs. But I definitely think Wesley Hoyt will leave. Um, who else is out on loan? Guido Carrillo will leave. Um, fairly certain Charlie Austin's out, uh, out of the club this summer. Fraser Forster, again, another player who is on rumoured to be our, one of our highest earners on about £80,000 a week. And he hasn't had a run in the team since about December 2017. So with players like them on your on your books who aren't even getting in the team who are on high wages, we need to get them out out of the door. The most interesting one for me would be Sofiane Bouffal. Um Again, another player who's sort of flats to deceive. Could have been um, the replacement for Tadish. Yeah, I think, I think he came in to, to sort of sort of give Tadic a, a bit of competition and also try and fill the void left by Mane because he joined the same season Mane left under Puel. But I'd, I'd be interested to see if Rav can get something from him because he's a player who's undoubtedly got quality. But will he have the work work ethic, and will he have again the same sort of things Tadic struggled with the 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 time on the ball, the space on the ball you don't get in the Premier League? It's sort of something Buffon needs, and that's why he's done relatively well at Celta Vigo in Spain. I know they haven't had the best of season collectively, but that time and space, you, you, we've seen clips and we've seen um, things come out of Spain of of how well he's done in in, in little snippets. So I'd like to see if Ralph can can get something from him in, in the preseason. So that's why I would have put him in the bracket of players who who could be on their way out of the club. But I, I would be interested to, to give him a preseason and see if he can buy into what Ralph is trying to do. Because if the 4 triple two formation that Ralph's tried to implement in the last few weeks since our survival has been confirmed is the system we're going to go with, I'm not a fan of putting Ward-Prowse on the right of that sort of second two behind the striker because I prefer Ward-Prowse to be in the central role. I don't think he's got the pace to to occupy that sort of position, whereas I think Buffal could be ready-made for that position. And if we can get something from him, again, it's a, it's a position that we don't need to, to buy in the, to invest in the transfer window. 
and hopefully Buffal can can say, fill the void and then we can invest that money spent on a on a player to fill that position on 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 a striker because I think cash we might be strapped for a bit of cash. I think the owners have already come out the past two transfer windows, so we need to sell to buy players. Hopefully uh Manolo Gavidini will make his move permanent um away at, at, at Sampdoria. And uh yeah, I think um uh they're they're the players who will be out. Um, and I think Bufal will hopefully be given a pre-season and uh, I, I hope that we can see something from him because as I said, we've seen glimpses of it before, especially under Puel. I think he fell out with Mark Hughes. I think he definitely fell out with Mark Hughes um, during a, che- a game at home against Chelsea and that was the last time we saw him um, and he wasn't in any match day squads and he was shipped out on loan um, <clears throat> pretty, pretty promptly as the, as the window opened last summer. So, yeah, I think... Uh, Many players will be going this summer. I think next season we'll see uh, 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 an almost new Southampton. Well, definitely a step in the right direction. There can be some struggles in transition years like that. So just curious as to what, what you think we'll see next year and, and any expectations you and the fan base might have for 2019-20. Well, I think the expectation is to obviously build on the season and there was an optimism when Mark Hughes kept us up last season that we would build on 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 his success of keeping us in the division, and uh, obviously that didn't come into fruition. And we knew it'd be another relegation battle this season. But now we've got Hazard here. That optimism that we had last season is is back again this season. But this year it almost feels more genuine that we know that we've seen enough from this coach to uh, to to have a belief that we'll we'll uh, have a much better campaign. Um, I don't feel we'll pull up any trees next season. Um, and I think that um, my prediction would be a, a mid-table finish um, being optimistic. I think 10th and 11th, a, a sort of a similar season to what West Ham had this year. I think if we get the, the, the transfer window right, then we'll uh, then we'll be in for a better season. But as I said, I hope that we can just make progress, something that we haven't done the past two seasons. And uh yeah, as I said, I think a mid-table finish. I think most Saints fans will probably uh, snap your hand off for it. Is there a scenario in which next season goes poorly enough that Hasenhutl will be let go, or do you think now that you've gotten him in, you'll just stick with him long term? I think I think the club will stick with him. I think the club have seen more than enough to know that if we are in a relegation battle next season, which uh, touch wood we won't, um, <laughs> we'll uh, we've seen enough from him this season that. Uh, He'll be given the the chance to 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 get us out of danger again, um, because as I said um, to you before the show started, it was it was a massive pull for 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 us to get to get Ralph, especially in the position that we were in. It you know, did so well at RB Leipzig. I think in his two seasons there, Bayern Munich were the only team to accumulate more points than than his uh, Leipzig side. So the fact that he wasn't probably far uh, far from suitors especially in Germany I think the, the the club will now use him as a figurehead to to rebuild the club to retransition to try and get back to top eight finishes you know the occasional European run the occasional cup run I think the club are going to focus on him it's funny as you say some managers will, will, will build a squad around a player I think that the club are going to rebuild around Hasenhutl and I think he'll be given as much time as he needs to get this club back to where 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 it has been, not necessarily where it belongs, but where it has been and where we've mm. we've tasted tasted before. Well, I certainly hope that that happens for you, and and it's always good when clubs like Southampton are performing well in the Premier League. Like you said, that that year you finished sixth. 
uh, was very fun as a neutral to watch. Um, so hopefully we see that kind of football mm-hmm. again. And I feel like that's that's plausible under Hasenhutl at the very yeah. least. Cool. Well, thanks so much for making the time today. Uh, tell the folks oh, where they you. can find you over the summer. Yeah, you can find uh, you can find me on Twitter personally at, at Mr. Sam E. Cox. You can find uh, my blogs and, and what we do at Fresh Saints at, at Fresh Saints on Twitter and, and FreshSaints.com. Cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on and best of luck next season. Well, thank you for having me. It's been great. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.